0: I'm Sarah, and we are dead, dead my, my dearest. dearest. We actually I... did a, a regular one this time. It wasn't
1: crazy. Yeah, it the last couple of weirdos. Yeah, yeah, very much. I just felt normal today. I don't know about that. That's fair. <laughs> you got me. You got me on that one.
0: I got the sleepies today. You do. Yeah,
1: my it's beautiful. Can you see bondo. it in my
0: face? Um,
1: yes. <laughs> Seeing as we're like currently like. Five inches apart from each other Yeah, right now. We
0: tried to do this the solo mic thing, but it was too difficult with our setup. It was very difficult. I also like the face-to-face. You mean the double mic setup, because we're on solo mic right oh, now. Oh, yeah. Opposite yeah. of what my mouth said. My yes. brain had it correct. True. But usually my mouth gets squirrely. <laughs> Quote, usually my mouth gets squirrely.
1: Like how I was like, don't worry, we won't peak. And then that laugh immediately peaks. <laughs> it always does. Because you laughed right into it. I'm not That's sorry. I good. feel
0: like, okay, so a lot of my family, I live far from them. And they listen to the podcast to hear me being a dum dum and laughing. Because <laughs> it makes them feel like I'm close. I and love you, you guys. You are close. Yeah, yeah. We're all close in our hearts. Exactly. But Burke and Hare were
1: closer to hearts than anyone uh, Literally. Across. Yes. Yep. Yes. But they didn't... Well, I
0: would say Dr. Knox was. He was pulling them out. That's true. Yeah. That's fair.
1: But that's today's episode. We're continuing.
0: We are. So just a little little brief recap. Uh, in episode one, last week, you can check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast at, which is pretty much everywhere except Pandora, because uh, they're silly. Uh, we started talking about the infamous murderers, Burke and Hare, who operated in 1828 in Edinburgh, Scotland. And we gave a bit of a background into, uh, this is a little bit before Victorian, but I'm saying Victorian because it's close enough. Uh, Victorian medicine, Victorian anxiety about death and grave robbing and all the fun stuff that that led up to. We talked a little bit about Burke and Hare, who were relatively upstanding people prior to this, uh, but when they decided to become criminals, they really went for it and really dove right into the deep
1: end. Yeah, they, they, they didn't pull any punches. Instead, they just pulled a lot of suffocation techniques. They did.
0: And uh, so they started off selling um, an old pensioner's body, someone who had died in a lodging house, their lodging house, to Dr. Robert Knox, an anatomy lecturer at the time. Um, And then they just kind of slowly progressed from there. At first they were like, well, this man died and he owes me rent, so we're going to sell his body. Then it was, this person is sick. And he's going to die anyway, and we don't want everybody else to get sick. So we're going to just give him a little help. Then we're going to get this little lady, super-duper-duper duper drunk. She's old. No one will miss her. It's just, you know, easing it forward a bit.
1: Every time, it's just a little bit darker, and then it just gets way dark. So is this the grimdark portion? This is
0: the grimdark portion in which we talk about the bulk of the murders. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. excited now. So we talked about their first crime, which was not a murder. It was selling the body of old Donald. And then three of their first murders in which they, you know, kind of progressed from we're helping to now we're selling fucking bodies that we can. We're selling fucking bodies. (laughs) And uh, the neighborhood is just starting to catch on that something might be a little bit off. A little. Yeah. (laughs) And they were primarily at this point. um, Abigail Simpson was someone they kind of took off the street, lured in. But uh, the other bodies were people who were from the lodging house. So they prayed a lot. They did tell everybody the reason they were kind of came into wealth because they were throwing it around. <laughs> just buying stuff, getting drunk all the time. That's literally what it was. Um, they're like, yeah, we inherited some money from a deceased relative. And people are like, all right, seems legit. Huh.
1: I like how just they're just not subtle about
0: no, any of this. Not at all. Yeah. I, they're literally like smothering these bodies in a house full of people. Right? It's it's basically a a tenement house, uh, uh, old school apartments for all intents and purposes. Um, and then they're carrying the bodies out in a tea chest. They're just carrying it, just chilling with yep. my tea chest, like you do. And no one's noticing them carrying this fucking tea chest back and forth. It's. A bit much. But anyway, so April 1828, we have the fifth victim. The fifth? The fifth. It's pronounced as it sounds. Fifth. I will lick you in the eyeball. (laughs) So Burke, uh, he meets Mary Patterson, and she is one of the more infamous people here. So pay close attention
1: narrowing my eyes for you.
0: Okay, thank you. She's also sometimes referred to as Mary Mitchell. And uh, he meets Janet Brown. These are two alleged sex workers, we do not know for sure, from the Cannongate area. And I'm actually going to put up like a little map that shows you how close all these things were. They're right below Edinburgh Castle, a lot of these spots, just so people are aware. (laughs) It's like all right there. You can see the castle in the background. (laughs) So he's out in the Cannongate area. He meets these ladies allegedly of the night, and he invites them back to the lodging house. They all start drinking. Uh, Mary Patterson falls asleep at the table. She is drunk, just gone. Right? Helen McDougal Burke's common law wife walks in on this scene. They're in the kitchen. Oh, right. She sees this and she flips her shit page turning page turn um she thinks Burke is cheating on her right because they got together in a in a, in a not the most auspicious way actually both of these couples did um they get into a physical altercation and Burke throws a glass at helen and cuts above her eye Whoa. allegedly I, a- you know. allegedly yeah. um janet's like i'm out of here <laughs> i'm not involved in this I don't want any part of it. She leaves. Um, But Mary is still there. Right? So she's like, I'll come back tomorrow. Um, You have fun with your lady wife. I'm leaving. (laughs) Later, they take Mary Patterson into a bedroom and Burke and smother her.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that, that went up quickly.
0: I mean, it was his intention. His intention wasn't, loot or anything like he, he was luring them in I think he wanted to get them both drunk and smuggle them like smother them both and then smuggle them out um, but that didn't work out because Helen was not in on this part of the plan I guess
1: I guess not yeah
0: so this becomes a problem for them later because Mary was said to be extremely our cats are fighting in the background I'm sorry <laughs> good job Momos. Yeah, good job, brother.
1: I don't know if anyone can hear him, but he's triumphantly meowing. Yeah,
0: I th- sometimes we can hear him in the back. I heard him scratching boxes in the it's last true. episode. That's true. We will always stop to talk about the cats because they're amazing. Three-legged boy. So murders. So murders. So this is a problem because she was said to be very, very beautiful, like a very attractive woman, and she's also very recognizable. She's not... Gate is not far from the area where they're at. They're in Tanner's Close, so it's all pretty pretty right there within a couple miles. So the next day, Janet comes back, and she's like, hey, I'm here to pick up my friend. She passed out here last night. Gonna get her. And the men are like, oh, I'm sorry. No, she left with a traveling salesman, and they went to Glasgow, which is a pretty good lie. (laughs) Uh, Really, what they had done... Is that morning they took the body to Dr. Knox and they received eight pounds for it? Money. The body is still warm when they drop it off. Right.
1: Yeah. Like nobody asks questions about this. Go 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 get it, Momo. You get it, buddy. Rip it
0: up, brother. Now he's in a box. He after after being triumphant in bapping his sister, he has to rip it up with his one paw. So one of Dr. Knox's assistants thinks, oh shit, I think I know this woman. Probably because she had been a client of his. He had been a client oh, of hers, yeah, vice but, versa. Yeah, right. he had
1: been a client of hers. And
0: she's very, very recognizable. And so he's like, where did you guys find this body? What's going on here? And Burke tells him, oh, this lady drank herself to death. And we bought the body from an older woman in Gate. Brought it to you guys. And Nox's assistant was like, yeah, okay, that seems legit. Everyone's just, like, thinking everything's legit. They, I mean, to be fair, this was really... Right. ...outside of even the scheme of... This wouldn't appear in Penny Dreadfuls at the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was really a hyperbole of murders. <laughs> so, uh, and... He didn't think too much of this excuse because alcohol poisoning was a very, uh, very common mode of death among, particularly, the lower classes because life sucked real bad. So, um, Helen McDougal, who the previous night got in a fist fight with Burke, uh, she keeps Mary's skirts and petticoats. <laughs> yeah, so she knows, like, we'll talk about her her involvement later, but she definitely knows what's up. So Historia Lisa Rosner, she writes the book Anatomy Murders, and I strongly recommend it. Uh, I've re- referred to her a few times in these episodes. Uh, she calls Mary Patterson Burke and Hare's most, quote, notorious cadaver. Not just the fact of her death and that she was a beautiful young woman. She was kind of like the quintessential fallen angel of the house. Like she should have been in the household, protected, you know, helping men deal with, uh, or, or husband or father or brother, or whatever, deal with like the, the difficulties of life when they came home. But really she had fallen on hard times and had to abase herself, quote unquote, this way, right? Also, content warning, little fucked up. Knox preserved her body, her corpse, in whiskey for three months before he dissected her. What? That's also not something that I found record of him really doing before, at least not to that length. So that's kind of gross and sketchy as well. Ew. Um, Scottish antiquarian, he's a, a gentleman named Charles Kirkpatrick Sharp. He says Mary Patterson, quote, was a person of a disorderly life and is said to have been well known to burke before he murdered her she was cut short in her sinful career and hurried oh dreadful thought how much unprepared before the judgment seat of her offended maker he's older obviously i was about to say this cuz fuck is, that guy this is
1: very fanciful <laughs> yeah yeah this
0: this is from uh that quote i want to say it's like the early 1900s but so historian lisa rosner She, however, did uncover some evidence that Patterson was not, in fact, uh, a prostitute or or sex worker, excuse me, or a professional sex worker. Um, She may, Patterson has discovered some documents that um, indicate that she could have been a resident of the Magdalene Asylum, which would have been a sort of reform school back then.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: it's basically like the mission of the institution was to help girls who are not yet like hardened criminals, but at risk. Um, we know that Janet Brown defended her and said she argued with people that Mary was not a professional sex worker, um, but she wasn't. Her word wasn't considered mu- much because she herself was a sex worker, which is hot bullshit. But it's Victorian times, and you know this is where these.
1: Careers we're at, (laughs) yeah,
0: yeah. So that is our fifth victim, Mary Patterson, the most notorious cadaver. Number six in May, the next month, Birkenhair find uh, an elderly female lodger, Missus Haldane, has passed out drunk in their stable. So they're like, "Oh well, she's already drunk. We don't even have to do the work." So they. Suffocate her.
1: Easy day, guys. And, Easy day. Uh,
0: yep. Sell her body. He <laughs> was like, "Oh, it's already all set up. We didn't even have to fish someone into the house." I'm stretching my leg. Please excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Good job. Thanks. That's my scree voice. Okay. Number seven. Shortly thereafter, Missus Halliday's daughter, Margaret, aka Peggy, they get her drunk because she is sad about the death of her mother and the disappearance of her mother they're like don't worry we'll console you they get her drunk i don't know if this woman lived there already or came to the lodging house knowing her mom lived there and then they were like hey she's been gone for a really long time woman gets upset they give her whiskey suffocate her sell her body and get eight pounds this is some Sweeney Todd. Level. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, this is what Sweeney Todd is basically based on. Oh my, oh my goodness. This yeah. is crazy. It's nuts. Number eight in May. They're just going. And you can see like times are getting shorter and shorter between. They kill an unnamed her. her they didn't know her. So she's unknown still. Uh, old woman who was a lodger. Or they did know her, but they didn't give her name and no one kind of knew. Um, they get her drunk. And suffocate her. So it's a lot of elderly women that they're preying on because they're easy to kill. Her body earns them 10 pounds. Whoa. Yeah. Pay dirt. For a SEAD. Number nine, there is a woman named Effie. She is a beggar woman. Um, And she kind of goes through like the refuse bins and she tries to collect scraps and sell them. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah, it really was. Um, She was known to Burke because she had sold him some leather scraps before, probably for shoes cobbling. Um, And they see her out in the alley. They lure her in, get her drunk, and suffocate her. Wow. And sell her body. And it's pretty, it's really awful too because like, this is someone like Burke knew he had bought things from her in a charitable way. Like before he didn't need to buy that stuff from her. He had merchants that he could go to. Um So it's pretty like that gets real dark. Okay. It's really yeah. dark. Remember Burke is also the one like he's religious. He goes to church all the time. He carries right. a Bible. He's quite, quite a man of uh, dualities. So I think, I can't remember when Jekyll and I think Jekyll and Hyde comes after this. Robert Louis Stevenson. Yeah. He's written after this. So I think there's a little bit of that influence in Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And obviously Sweeney Todd pulls a lot from a wealth,
1: this. Yeah. A wealth from this, yeah.
0: So now the pair are super cocky. They're out. And this is a lot. Prepare for this journey. <laughs> They're out on the street and they see a police officer escorting a very, very drunken woman home. So they say to the officer, hey, we'll br- we know her, we'll bring her home, we're happy to help you. And the officer's like, oh, sweet, thanks, that saves me a lot of time and trouble. Here you go. And he hands off this like blackout drunk lady to these two unknown men. Cool. They take her back to the lodging house. She's already blackout drunk. They don't have to do anything. They smother her and sell her body for 10 pounds. Right out of a policeman's hands. Wow. Yeah.
1: This is so cocky.
0: Yeah, it's bad. It's real bad. Um, okay. So this one is a content warning. This is an older lady and their only child death.
1: I think I'm going to need a break after this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to tell you what happens, and then going to talk a little bit more about these in detail, but we'll break after what happens, just to give everybody kind of a, a, a moment to, to get up, pee, get a drink. So, content warning. In June, so, you know, they've carried out several murders at this point in the last couple months. Um, the two men do away with two more of the lodging house folks. One is an elderly woman, and one is her uh, mentally slow grandson. Wow. Yeah. So they're the only family the two have. Um, The little boy is mentally slow. He's mute. He can make sounds but not communicate. And he's deaf. They kill the grandmother in the room that she's renting. And the little boy is sitting by the fire. Um, The men allegedly spent like the rest of the night trying to determine what to do with the little boy. Because he is mute, deaf, and mentally slow, they thought maybe they could just take him further away into the city and let him go on the street.
1: That's horrifying. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, he wouldn't be able to tell anybody what happened, right? But during this time that they're having this debate, from what it sounds like, and I'll talk about this after the break, it sounds like Burke was probably the one arguing not to just kill the little boy, and Hare was like, why don't we just get the money for him, right? Right. So that's why this murder didn't happen right away. Um, It took like a night. So during this time that they're debating back and forth, the little boy gets concerned because his grandma has been away from him for, for a long time. And that's, you know, he's worried. So he starts making noises and gestures to communicate that like he needs help and he needs someone to go check on her. He's able to do like that much. Right, right. Right. Um, so they're like, oh, well, shit, he can indicate this much, at least to, like, the larger's hair or something, he's gotta go. Um, okay, content warning, turn it off for a couple seconds if you don't want to hear this. They take him into the room where his grandmother's body is, and they smother him, too. Ooh. Burke said, of all the murders that they committed, um, this one was the worst. It is the only child they kill, because the the memory of the boy's expression haunted him nightly
1: holy shit yeah
0: it's real dark okay on that note we're gonna take a little musical interlude everybody go you know hug a cat we're all gonna it's okay we're gonna hug a cat i'm sorry i need so many cats right now we'll do that right now we'll get a drink and uh we'll be back after these musical delights So it's later reported in George um, McGregor's book, The History of Birkin Hare. Not even a welcome back? Not even a a hi, how you doing? No, get ready for more of this. Okay. We're jumping right in. (laughs) Get ready. Um, George McGregor's book, The History of Birkin Hare and of the Resurrectionist Times. Now, this is printed early 20th century. So this is still just kind of coming out of Victorian and Victorian era. There is little doubt... Sorry, before I read this quote, this book is online. You can read the whole thing via PDF or via, like, scan, and it's really, really interesting. Um He kind of... He he writes this between, like, 60 and 80 years after the crimes, but he researched a lot of the prime material, like, prime materials and stuff, a lot of those documents. So he puts more of, like... um more life into the victims and, and things like that. It's it's really fascinating. I'll put up the link. I strongly recommend people check this out. It was a great resource. So, quote There is little reason to doubt that Burke was in the first instance a man of finer nature than Hare, though their guilt in the end was at least equal. Hare, it seems, could play his part in the slaughter of a fellow mortal without any qualms of conscience and he slept as quietly the night after he provided a subject for the doctors, as if his soul was unstained with guilt. Burke, however, was a man of a different temperament, and though reckless, he could not altogether banish the moral teachings of his church from his mind. He could not sleep without a bottle of whiskey by his bedside, and he had always on the table a twopenny candle burning all night. When he wakened, sometimes in fright, he would take a a draught from the bottle often to the extent of half of its contents at a time to induce sleep or rather stupor so allegedly he felt such guilt particularly over the boy um that he was drinking him like just getting drunk to sleep through the night
1: right he was literally full depression mode full like it was bad yeah. yeah
0: Allegedly, yeah. Uh, allegedly, he also took opium to deal with the guilt because wow. he really was struggling with it. Because again, really, he was he was quite religious. Yeah. So, this now we're going to switch into really dark humor. I apologize. <laughs>
1: just back to back. This is yeah, you know a just whiplash.
0: whiplash. in it. So they've been transporting all of these bodies back and forth in that single tea chest that I mentioned, right? Well, this tea chest cannot fit two bodies. No. So they put one in a barrel, because that's what they had on hand, and they load it up on a cart. Hare's horse pulls... The, like, the tea chest and the barrel, as far as grass markets, like, up the road a bit. And then it will not go any further. Probably because it smelled death.
1: Uh, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Like, human death. That's problematic. And, it, like, for whatever reason, it was like, I am not doing this. There are penny dreadfuls to talk about how the horse revolted. You know? Like, <laughs> all this shit. It's really it's funny. Um, so, these motherfuckers are so arrogant. They hire a porter, like a carrier... To come help them and bring it to Knox.
1: They just, ha- just they hire, hire a, a dude to
0: go from Grass Market to where Knox's uh, place is, like a couple miles away.
1: Carrying a dead body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like they're carrying the T-chest, and this dude's like wagon, like, got a wagon and dragging the barrel.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And they get uh, eight pounds for each body. Ooh. Yeah. So that is 11 and 12. 13. <laughs> this is also pretty fucked up at the end of June the men are like you know what we've been working real hard with all these murders we've really been like putting in the hours we
1: need a vacation burning the
0: candle at both ends we need a vacation oh no <laughs> I'm not even joking they oh, took a vacation no because they also have a shit ton of money yeah so Burke and his wife go to Falkirk to visit family oh my god mm mm-hmm. um And Hare goes out with his wife. So Hare needed money when he came back from his vacation because he's bad. Like, they just fucking blow it all, right? Burke knew this. Um, And a couple days later, Burke notices that Hare is wearing brand-new clothes. And he's like, Dude, I know you needed money. How did you get those new clothes? And it clicks. He's like... Have you been murdering without me? Oh no, trouble in paradise. <laughs> and <laughs> Harris like I would, I would never do that to you, bro. I would never murder without bro, you, bro. Bro, I'm you here. can trust me. I'm here for you, bro. We're murder buddies, and, bro. But Burke's like, but this is this is smelling fishy like a dead body. So he goes to Knox, and Knox is like, oh yeah, he totally brought over a dead lady recently. So the two men get in a giant argument, and they, they have a falling out. Um, Burke and his wife move out of the lodging house wow. for a little while. This is, this is, yeah, they don't talk.
1: This is trouble in paradise it's for Burke and I feel like I'm in some hardcore British drama yeah. right now. so that's
0: June that that happens, right? But by September, they get drunk together because they're bros, and they're like, we'll just let bygones be bygones. Don't murder cheat on me again. And <laughs> and everything. It's water under the bridge. Just don't let it happen I lo- again. I love you, bro. I love you too, bro. Don't murder <sighs> cheat on me. All right, bro. I won't murder cheat. <laughs> it's literally this, what happened. This is literally They great. talk about this big fight and then they're like, Well, they got drunk together and they reconciled because they were bros.
1: <laughs> now see them like literally in the lodging house like at night and every once in a while like you hear F- Burke's like phone ring and he looks over and it just says hey you up?
0: <laughs> yeah for real. <laughs> hey, I know you're
1: drunk let's go murder a dude. Yeah.
0: Or a lady always ladies. ladies yeah. Almost always ladies. So um they <laughs> there is a washer woman who comes to the lodging house and she does laundry for everybody. Her name is uh, Mrs. Osler.
1: Why are we going after the washer lady? They're man? just like hey
0: you know what, they're making drunk decisions. These are not, it's like when you text your ex at 3am. These are not good life choices. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't do that because I I don't have one. I like how we went from super ultra morbid
1: to just like child death to murder cheating. Murder cheating with bros, bros, being bros.
0: Yep. So they see this, this nice lady who they have spent quite a bit of time with in the past because she is a person who helps them and works for them. Uh, they get her drunk, uh, they suffocate her, and they sell her body for 10 pounds. Okay. Like you do. So that's September. She's the 14th victim. Uh, by later, a couple weeks later, either late September, early October, somewhere in there, um, Anne McDougall, one of Helen McDougall's relatives, so Burke's common-law wife, right? Uh, one of the relatives that he just went on vacation to visit she comes to visit and they fucking murder her. What? Yep. Why? I think Helen didn't really like her for some reason. I mean, Helen was aware. Right, at right? this point. Yeah. It, it, obviously. Yeah, I did, yeah. There's no hiding that, oh, I fucking murdered your aunt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you might know this. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they kill her and uh, it's just so bad because like you can see they're getting in a frenzy too because they're just like going to take... This lady that everybody knows off the street, going to take the washerwoman, going to kill a little boy, going to kill a relative, because fuck it.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: it's their bonans. Um, So they get 10 pounds for her relative. Allegedly, at this point, Margaret Hare says that they should kill Helen, Burke's wife, because, quote, they could not trust her as she was a Scotswoman. Because they're all Irish. The three of them are oh, Irish. Oh, right. And she's the Scot. She's the she's Scotswoman. Therefore, that's a problem. But Burke was like, no, we're not fucking killing we're Helen. We're not
1: killing my wife.
0: I might throw a glass at her now and then. But I'm not, we're not killing my common law sex worker wife. Okay? We're just not. It's too far. Goodness, It's too far. <laughs> <clears throat> Number 16. This one gets them into a lot of trouble. Here we are. So there are three very notorious cadavers that they have. Mary Patterson, who we talked about, this young gentleman named James Wilson, and then their final victim. So this is 16, James Wilson. They, in October, uh, decide to prey upon a local, very well-known, very well-liked beggar named James Wilson, also known everybody in the neighborhood, like all in that rounding area, knew who this this boy was. Um, He's a young man. He's not a boy. They called him Daft Jamie.
1: Daft Jamie.
0: Daft Jamie. How
1: did anyone see Daft Jamie today?
0: Um, supposedly because he was mentally handicapped, his face was disfigured and he had clubbed feet. Oh. So he's super recognizable. Like, everybody knows this guy. They all try to kind of help him out. He's a sweet man, right? There are some reports that Jamie wasn't actually mentally handicapped, but he might have been just very eccentric or maybe autistic. Um... He supposedly could perform very, very difficult mathematic calculations off the top of his head.
1: Oh, that sounds like autism. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but his, we're going to say eccentricity because we just don't know what was happening. The It, it varies back and forth, right? Um, this kept him from having a steady job. Uh, so he wandered the streets, quote, barefoot and bareheaded in all sorts of weather. Allegedly, he would perform like little tricks like solving riddles he was wicked good at solving riddles and like knew all kinds of stuff um or doing these difficult calculations off the top of his head and in return like people would buy him liquor they'd buy him snuff which is the tobacco that you sniff you inhale yeah um or they'd give him like invite him in and give him dinner um so he he may not have actually been a beggar at all he might just have been someone who is on the spectrum or just kind of eccentric we we're not entirely sure um, regardless, he did have a mother and a sister and they did their best to take care of him. Oh. Yeah. Supposedly, uh, Hare's wife, Margaret, who was allegedly the one who was like, hey, let's kill Helen because fuck her. She's a Scots person. Even though they're all living in Edinburgh. <laughs> um, who, quote, <laughs> had none of Burke's practical sense of a successful murder plan.
1: <laughs>
0: picked uh, Daft Jamie as a victim Because he was wandering around in the grass market one day, you know, the market area close to where they lived, looking for his mother, which is a a typical thing that happened. Um, He's brought back to the house and plied with whiskey. However, there's pretty good indication that he was either a teetotaler, he was against drinking, or he just would have a sip but was very, very scared of getting drunk. Probably because his mother had been like, "No, this is really bad for you." Whatever. Right. Um, so
1: being on the street and getting wicked drunk, yeah, is probably dangerous. Yeah. You
0: know, um, it's it's pretty clear that he did not want to get drunk. Um, so Burke and kind of had to keep plying him and plying him. So he had a little bit of whiskey, but not nearly as much as the other people normally did. Um, and it and most scholars believe that his death was more brutal they killed him in a similar fashion but he fucking fought he fought
1: hard i was gonna say he still had enough wits about him yeah to yeah because he was a
0: little time. bit drunk but as soon as like the men came in like he, he went to sleep in a side room right after they gave him food and everything they came in and started you know burke kneeled on his chest hair grabbed his, his nose and mouth and jamie like kicked up and started beating the shit out of him oh my goodness. yeah allegedly yeah um and supposedly like he he left like bite marks and bruises on the men but they were finally over able to overcome him which is really sad um in george mcgregor's book this is again the earlier one he writes quote it was reported at the time of the trial that during the struggle jamie bit burke so severely on the leg that if the laws of the country had not promised to hang him by the neck he likely would have died from cancered wounds received in conflict. Oh, cancered oh. meaning then yeah. infected. Infected, yeah. yeah. But it was supposed to be really bad. Because yeah. uh, this is now October. All of this ends and wraps up by December, including with executions and stuff. So oh,
1: this, this is fast. Yeah. He, he,
0: could, he could potentially have died from an infected leg from a bite wound. Wow. Yeah, but... The law got to him first. first. Justice. Justice. So, Burke and Hare keep Jamie's snuff box and snuff spoon. Now, again, this is like a, um, if you think of like dip that people have, it's like that but very finely powdered and you inhale it. Uh, I don't think they really have snuff anymore but it was the thing during Victorian times.
1: There is still snuff, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's still snuff. A lot few. of people use imbibe tobacco in different ways. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it is still around, yeah.
0: Uh, So they keep these things, because they like them, and they sell the body. At this point, um, a bunch of Knox's assistants were like, yo, we're pretty sure we we know this person. We're pretty sure this is Daft Jamie. He has two club feet, a facial disfigurement, like, everybody knows Daft Jamie. Um, And Jamie has a living mother and sister, remember? So this is the piece of evidence that I found that really truly points to the fact that Knox was complicit or like at least didn't this, but probably had a pretty strong idea that there was something fishy going on Um, because he says to his assistants, oh no, that's definitely not daft Jamie and kind of calms them down. Then he removes Jamie's head and Jamie's feet before the body is dissected. Oh, he totally He never knows. had done that before with another uh, corpse. Right. Right? And those are the recognizable traits. Of Daft Jamie. Yeah. yeah. Um, Again. So people couldn't, couldn't see.
1: Everyone knows Daft Jamie. Everyone loves Daft Jamie. I mean, like,
0: everybody did. He was a good boy. That's, that's yeah. It's really sad.
1: That's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it's very fucked up. So, 17, their final victim on halloween october 31st eighteen twenty eight, uh the men lure an old lady named mary uh doherty or doherty i'm not i think it's doherty yeah but i'm not entirely sure it's a lot of different spellings into the lodging house under the pretense that burke might be a distant relation so she's a little old irish woman in scotland um Burke's talking to her and says oh my mother's maiden name is the same as yours so they're like why don't you come and drink with us because that's very much a thing like I found in in Ireland and Scotland I was like hey my ancestors are X clan and people were like fuck yeah let's get a drink <laughs> <That sounds about laughs> and it right. was awesome um, I had a good time and was not murdered when I shared beverages with people that's good I'm yeah. glad
1: that you didn't get murdered by just in family relations. <laughs> Me
0: too. I mean, Burke wasn't related to her. Obviously. He just used that as a premise. Um, so they invite her to the lodging house. Uh, so Mary, this lady, Burke, Hare, and the two wives all stay up drinking with this woman. All of them. Hare pays two of his lodgers, James and Anne Gray, to sleep in a different room from the one they're renting because he said... The five of us—we're all family. We're going to be partying all night. We're going to be late, uh, up late. I don't want to bother you and keep you guys up, right? So he gives them a little bit of money, just moves them like as a reimbursement to say, "Hey, I'm sorry, you know, we're going to move you to this other room for tonight, for your convenience." And they're like, "Yeah, that's fine." Um, so they do that, not a problem. The men get into a fist fight at some point because. You know, why not? I guess Burke and Hare do it up. Um, but they still murder Mary. And they either leave her body stuffed under the bed that James and Anne are renting. All their shit's still in this room.
1: oh my. So they God.
0: use this room for the murder and they either stuff the body under the bed that night because they have to go like pass out because they've been drinking so much or they leave her in a pile of hay at the end of the bed. Yeah, I think the hay was like to restuff the mattresses probably. Makes sense. So the, the reports vary, but she's the body's in the room. Now we move on to getting caught, and that's where we're going to end the episode. I knew, yeah. Yeah. So the greys come back early the next day because Anne had like left her, like they grabbed some of their stuff, but didn't take all of it, obviously, because they're just shifting for the night. She's like, oh, I left my stockings. I need to go back in. And the men are like, no, 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 you can't go in the room. James and Anne are like, look, you, you shifted us for the night. We paid for this room. This is our room. I have to go get my stuff. And they won't let them back in. So they're like, what the fuck is up with this? This is really weird. Later that evening, they sneak into the room and either under the bed or in the pile of hay, because they just kind of shoved hay over her allegedly, they find a body with, quote, blood and saliva on its face. They fucking run out of there because they like snuck in, and then they're like, "Holy shit! A body, gotta go," and run to the police. Allegedly, Burke's wife meets them en route to them running to the police because she like probably hears the commotion. Um, she is no, this is Burke's wife. She's not pregnant. Hare's wife is pregnant at this time. Um. And she tries to bribe the Grays with ten pounds a week for them to stay quiet.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
0: And that is an inordinate that's like a thousand dollars a week or more, probably twelve thousand. Twelve hundred, excuse me, excuse me, twelve hundred. That's a lot of money a week.
1: That's a lot you do a lot of murders. Yeah.
0: Um, and they're like, no, we're we're fucking going to the police. Good for them. Cause they were just like, hey, you'll probably murder us. B, even though that's a crap ton of money, hell no, <laughs> that's messed up. Meanwhile, as this is happening, so they know they've been caught, Burke and Hare are like, fuck, 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 fuck. Gotta go, gotta go. They take the body, put it in the tea chest, go to Knox.
1: Why are they still doing Because they're dumbasses.
0: <laughs> they sell the body. Knox has the body. They get 10 pounds for it, right? Knox has the body. The next day, the police come with James gray uh, because they're going around to the anatomists right and they come to his place he's like hey what's up this is weird and gray goes yeah that's the lady that they were all drinking with and that's the dead body that i found they sold her body to Knox." the police then go back and arrest burke Hare and the two wives so this is very this is like november 1st november 2nd right the police search the whole lodging house and they find some items belonging to not Burke Hare and the Wives. We got the clothes, we the got victims, the snuff yeah. box. We got Yeah, the yeah. Lock, so yeah. like Jamie's snuff box, Mary uh Daugherty's bloody clothes are there. I don't know why they were bloody. bloody? Yeah, I don't know why. I think it's just they could, a they might have broken her ribs or, or punctured a lung or something. Or it could have just been maybe she was sick anyway. I don't know why they were bloody, but they were. Um, That was not typical of them to actually harm. (laughs) I know. I just made a face at myself. They suffocated. They didn't stab or beat or anything like that. So I'm not sure why that happened. But that's what they find. Uh, They also examine Mary uh, Doherty's body because this is the only one that they can examine. It is the only one that is recorded officially in the crimes. Um, but the doctors who examined the body state that the death could have been due to suffocation, but they can't say for sure. And again, remember, historian Lisa Rosner is like, yeah, up till modern forensics, if there were no broken ribs and things like that, it could have been very hard to tell right? because it's not a typical strangulation.
1: Yeah, this, this method was quite good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the police don't have any evidence beyond these couple of items that are pretty circumstantial. Um, even the bloody clothes are kind of circumstantial. Uh, and the Gray's testimony, which says, I saw them drinking with her last night, then we found her body today. And, you know, she could have died, and then they just sold the body, which technically wasn't illegal. Um there are no, again, bodies left beyond Mary's. They've all been dissected, including Daft, Jamie. And the police can't confirm that the, these two men killed all these people, right? They know that they've killed at least some, but they don't, they don't know for sure, sure. So they're like, fuck, like, we know these guys are guilty, but we can't, we can't get them for this crime. We don't have enough evidence. So what they do is they convince Hare to turn King's evidence. This is when uh, one person in a crime confesses all the details um, and you know, tells everything they did, but in doing that, they can't be prosecuted for it. Oh, so he flipped. Yeah, yeah. he flipped. Um, he, If he confesses, provides all the details of the murders that they've done, He is granted full immunity and goes free, and his wife would also be safe. And remember, his wife either is still just had her child. So, yeah, that's that's where we're at with hair turning King's evidence against Burke. And it's kind of like he was the one who murder cheated too. He was the one who murdered, cheated. Yeah. He's also the one that doesn't really,
1: really care. Why, supposedly, supposedly, yeah. I
0: mean, it's it's hard to know for sure. Yeah. But he was, yeah. Of the two, uh, he seemed to be the more cold blooded one. No. He was also the one. I, I mean, if we want to give him some kind of humanity, he he did seem like he cared a lot about his wife and his children. He she had one from the previous marriage, and then their newborn. So doing what he did. Protected them as well, right? Which makes I mean, sense. the baby, yeah. the baby would have been put in an orphanage, so Ew. both of them. Ew. yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah, it definitely would have been bad. But all of this is bad, so yeah. So that's where we're at. Uh, in the final episode next week, we're going to talk about the trials, what happens afterwards, um, a lot of the media surrounding this very very infamous case. Um, and we're going to talk about a little bit of a, a, a spooky mystery related potentially to it.
1: I like this. Yeah. This was a crazy episode. Yeah, this was this yeah. was
0: kind of the nitty-gritty of a lot of the, of the serial, darkness.
1: Serial murders. Yeah, sorry, everybody. Yeah. And then bros being bros.
0: You know, murder, cheating, and then flipping evidence on your, your bro who's always been by you from day one.
1: Bro. Bro. Why, bro?
0: He was the one that technically came up with the plan to sell old donald right Bert. right so
1: yeah. interesting
0: he was right. though he was the better one he was the one that kind of set them on this path true yeah
1: very true well i guess it's time to do the normal outro mm-hmm, which means mm-hmm. if you're want to get more information if you're want to get more information, if you want
0: to get more information
1: then all you have to do is come on down to the dead my dearest emporium where we have plenty <laughs> of information available on all your favorite social media websites and you can go to facebook.com slash deadmydearest, twitter.com slash deadmydearest,
0: and instagram.com slash deadmydearest. And then
1: if they want to contact us directly with spoop stories or Spoofs. requests or anything like that, yeah. where do they go?
0: You can send us an email at deadmydearest at com. We will be doing a listener thing in the future. so
1: Bang. I love it. Yep. Okay. So
0: that's pretty much it. Go hug a cat. Yeah. Drink I a know. little bit of coffee. Get some fresh air. It was a lot of murder today. A lot of
1: murder. Bro. Bro. I'll I'll see you next week, bro. I'll
0: see see you next week.
1: Actually, I'm going to see you right after this. That's true. I'm going to smooch you right after this. That's true. I'm
0: That's very true. So, babies, I'll stay spooky, darlings.
1: (gasps) Bye-bye. Keep it that level?
0: I will never. Okay, I know you will I won't. will laugh and I will peek it. I know you will. Every time. Every, <laughs> I will do what I want. Because I am a goblin. Every
1: time. Ah!